Shear X2. I'm on. There we go. You got it. Excellent. You can't hear me from this distance? I'm just kidding. <laughs> it speaks southern very well. All right. Good evening, everyone. Glad that you're here. Enjoying another beautiful Alaska summer day. <laughs> yes. Tomorrow's supposed to be nice, so... We have a uh, saying in Nashville, if you don't like the weather, just wait 30 minutes and it'll change. The saying in Anchorage is you get a 30-minute summer. <laughs> so. Okay, a couple of things. Number one, tonight, if someone makes a comment and you can't hear it, please remind me. I have forgotten to, to summarize those, and so people online are not able to hear them. So if there's comments from the audience... Um, I want to make sure I summarize them or incorporate them into my answer so that people can hear what's being said. And number two, you may see me limping around. Uh, the last few weeks, I've made a valiant effort to lose the winter weight that I gained in Anchorage, and it's resulted in a knee injury. So you know, that's why people my age probably shouldn't be trying to work out. I once told somebody the safest place for me to be is on my couch with a remote. When was the last time you heard of somebody getting hurt right court that doesn't happen right safe on my couch with a remote okay let's open in a word of prayer loving father we do thank you for the for the day you've given to us a day of life and a day to see your beauty and your glory for the good weather the rain and everything that makes the earth grow and show us how wonderful and powerful you are we thank you for this opportunity tonight to spend time and study of your word Pray that you'll bless the time we have together, that you'll help us in our discussion, and that you'll open our hearts to your word and to the message you would have us receive. We ask, Lord, that you help our time together this evening and that we glorify you and who we are and how we act. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. We'll be at or about Genesis 27 when we start tonight. So we'll start with just a few seconds of review. All right, we're on Jacob and Rebekah. Okay, got everybody give you a minute to get your mindset because it's easy to get the names confused, right? Abraham and Sarah, Jacob and Rebecca. So, I'm sorry, and I just got the names confused. Tracy's laughing at me because, yes, <laughs> Isaac and Rebecca, we're going to be talking about Jacob. Boy, that's welcome, everybody. I hope you've had a good week. We'll start this over. All right, we're going to be on Isaac and Rebecca. We're going to be talking about their children. Um, who are you? I've given you one. What are, the, what are their kids? Yeah, Esau and Jacob, right? Tell me something about them. Tell me something about the kids. Twins, right? Hairy and smooth. Yeah, that's not their name. That is their skin type, right? Hairy and smooth. Yeah. Who's the oldest? Yeah, two nations, right? And that was what I was going to get to. Who's the oldest? Esau. But who's going to be the more powerful nation? Jacob, right? So we remember last week we talked about Esau selling his birthright for a, a, basically a, a bowl of stew. And we talked about that. Tonight we're going to see the, the final part of that plan. What we see is Isaac's getting older here at the beginning of uh, Genesis 27. And his plan is to give a blessing 
to his oldest son, and that would be the normal way that would happen. So he's going to give a blessing to Esau. That's his plan. So he formulates, he says, Esau, who's a hunter, I want you to go out, hunt something, hunt some game, bring the game in, cook something for me as a special meal, and I will give you my blessing. Rebecca overhears this in the background, and I think you're familiar with the story. So Rebecca decides she's going to help Jacob steal this blessing. Okay? She's going to get involved. Now, before we go into the specifics of how they do that, why would Rebecca do this? Because he was her favorite. Okay, I, I agree with that. But why does that matter? Does she get more money if he gets more money? So, right, the older one should get it. She's going to help the younger one get it. And I'll, I'll tell you the answer is she was, but that she's not fulfilling a prophecy. It's a prophecy about a yeah. The reason she does it, one, one reason, is pure selfishness. She's got her favorite. She wants her favorite to win, right? Yes, ma'am. I, it could be, and I guess Jacob at this point doesn't have any. So the question was whether it would be 2635, and uh, Esau's wives brought grief to Isaac and Rebekah. But we're told in the story here that because Jacob was her favorite, she told him. So I think that's pointing to the reason is, yeah. But that is a good point. I have not connected those. It's a very good point um, about... Daughter-in-laws, yeah, well, you know, mother-in-laws and daughter-in-laws. There's lots of things that could be grief there. So, I have a wonderful mother-in-law. She's fabulous. My wife's mother-in-law is not quite as fabulous. No, I'm just kidding. That's my mom. So she's, she's great as well. Um, but that's a good point. There could be grief there. But we're told because Jacob is her favorite, and just to be honest, she wants him to win, right? She is pure selfishness. And I want us to take a second to talk about that because selfishness leads to conflict. If you were to do a study and you look at a hundred churches of Christ that split, okay? And you would, and I would ask you, what do you think of the main reasons that those churches would split? Most of us would say things like, oh, is it over instrumental music? Or is it over women's roles? Is it something biblical? And I would tell you no. By far, three-fourths or more of the reasons why churches split, 95% or more of the reasons why churches have conflict, has nothing to do with biblical problems. Now, there is a biblical background to these problems, and we'll get into that. But it is pure selfishness. That's what it is. So what you hear people say is, I don't like the type of songs they're singing. Oh, wait a minute. Let me find that type of songs they sing is a reason to divide the church. Oh, no, wait a minute. It's not in there. I don't like the preacher. Was he preaching unscripturally? Okay, we, got, we can have that conversation. Otherwise, it, it becomes pure selfishness. What if we decided to change the order of worship? What if we decided to change Bible class and worship? What if we decided to do something different on Sunday nights or Wednesday nights, move Wednesdays to Thursdays? We would have people leave. We would have people get upset. We would have people complain. And you know what I would say? That's a sin. 
if you're going to get upset over things that are non-biblical, now I'm not talking about my goal here is to grow the church, and I think if we do X, we'll grow more. Hey, let's have those conversations. Those are good conversations to have. But the reason why conflict occurs in church is not because we're having good conversations over what the goals are. They're because I want. And that's the way most of those conversations start. And I've been in that boat. I want, I want, I want. I think, I think, I think. And it's about what I want. It's about what I'm comfortable with. It's about what I've seen. It's about what I'm used to. Rebecca's being selfish. I want my favorite to get this. Does it lead to conflict? Does the conflict have lasting rep- uh, uh, repercussions? Yeah, I mean, who are the descendants of Esau? Anybody? <laughs> They're Turks, Edomites, Palestinians, and a big portion of the Muslim world. Is there any conflict between Israel and those people? Has there been for the last 4,000 years? Yeah, that, this selfishness is one of the things that leads to millions of deaths, thousands of years of conflict and turmoil because of selfishness. And you say, oh, well, that's kind of overstating it. Listen, we do the same thing. Most of the conflict in our life, most of our sin in our life is over selfishness, right? Worldliness, I want more money. Sexual immorality, I want that person. I want to be pleased. I want my pleasure. I want to be in charge, pride, right? I want to get my way. I've actually seen church conflicts when we've gone in to try to do some conflict resolution. And people will tell you at this point, I don't even really care what the outcome is, but I'm not going to back down from the fight. Oh, my goodness. And you say, oh, does that really happen? The majority of church splits, the majority of church conflict, the majority of church divisions are not based biblically. Now, I would say there is a biblical backing to that because there's sin involved. I don't doubt that. But it's not because I've got a problem with the elders. They are doing something unscriptural. It's because I want to try to use scripture to justify my selfish needs. And that's what it gets down to. And the scriptures like First uh, Corinthians... Everything must be done in decent and orderly, right? And we will distort that scripture to mean it's what I think decent and order is. By the way, that doesn't mean the same way every week, in case you're wondering. And I can defend that very strongly. Right. In fact, I would challenge that the same way every week is more likely to be vain repetition that Jesus warned about in Matthew. That's a separate discussion. Most of the time when we have problems in the church, it is selfishness. Rebecca's about to create four millennia of conflict. Jacob had a part in this too because of selfishness. And so Rebecca overhears the plan and she decides we're going to trick Isaac. So this is not a marriage counseling seminar here where the mom is helping the child trick the parent. Okay, This is a what not to do type of seminar. Um, And they decide they're going to somehow trick Isaac. Now, he has poor eyesight, obviously, when you read through the story, but what are the steps they go to? What is the deception they go to to try to trick Isaac here? Right, so they, they cover Jacob with goat, sheep, goat, sheep. No, goat. I think it's goat here. I apologize. Goat here. Yeah. 
Now, I understand this. I'm, I, my wife used to get confused. We had a dog, and she'd get into bed, and she didn't know if it was me or the dog next to her when she would put her leg over. So I, I understand that. But think about how hairy that is when you think about putting goat skin on an arm, right? What else do they do? By the way, that's not something you do just in passing. This is a pretty big deception. You went and got a goat skin and somehow fastened it to the arms and the neck and to try to overcome it. What else do they do? She made his favorite stew. Oh, you know, the way to a man's heart, through his stomach, right? She knew what it was. They've been married now for decades and decades. She made the stew and said, this is the stew he wants. This is what he likes. Put the goat skin on. This is the stew. What else? Yeah, you're going to smell like your brother. Let's go get your brother's stinky clothes, right? Because they didn't have a uh, whirlpool down in the third tent on the right. They weren't white. And let's put your brother's clothes on. You're going to smell like your brother, right? You're going to smell like the field. You're going to smell like a hunter. And uh, so you're going to smell like him. You're going to feel like him. You're going to bring in the meat that he asked for. And he doesn't, you shouldn't even know what he asked, right? This was a conversation between um, Isaac and Esau. So, so this will show that you know what's going on and you're going to be able to get away with it. There was one problem, and that was his voice. But then Jacob even goes further to lie. So this is no longer just deception, which is a lie. This is blatant lying to my dad. Oh, I am who you think I am. I am Esau. Right? So they go all this way around to deceive Isaac. Jacob gets the blessing, leaves, and just like perfect timing, as soon as he steps out, who walks in? Yeah, Esau comes in and does all the things and walks in, and Isaac says, who are you? What's going on? And they realize they've been deceived. They realize they've been lied to. They realize Isaac has given the blessing. Esau has sold his birthright. There is not a thing they can do about it. Jacob is the one that's going to be the blessing. Jacob is the one that's going to carry on the blessing that God has provided. This, is, this has changed Esau's life forever. This has damaged him forever. And Esau, being a typical brother, takes it really well, right? It's okay, buddy. No, no. What's his response? Yeah. I, yeah, as soon as, dad, as soon as our time of mourning, when dad passes away, time of mourning is gone, you're going to be the next one to die. Go ahead and dig two graves, right? Dig one for dad, and then let's go ahead and dig yours because I'm going to kill you first chance I get. Uh, and Rebecca steps in again and hears the plan and basically says, hey, we're going to let you go take a summer vacation that's going to last for three decades or so. And J- uh, Rebecca decides at this time that it's time for Jacob uh, to, to go away to get a wife. So one of the lessons from the first part of this story, we see the line and deception of Rebecca. We see the line and deception of Jacob. We end up with these Edomites that end up being the Palestinians, part of the Muslims, part of the, um, the Kurdish in Turkey, and the, the thousands of years of conflict that occurs between the Israelites, between God's people, and uh, the offspring of Esau. And the lesson there is there are always consequences to sin. Always. And those consequences may go beyond me, my sin, may cause consequences to my family, to my friends, to the church, to people who have never met me or know me. 
we sometimes ask the question, why do good things or why do bad things happen to good people? Why do Christians sometimes have bad things happen? And that can be a very complicated discussion. And we say sin is involved. Oh, well, this, you know, this two-year-old didn't sin. I agree. But there are times when innocent people face severe consequences because of sin in other people's lives. It's not about fairness. It's about the reality of the world we live in. There are literally millions, that is not an exaggeration, of people that have died because of this conflict, because of this sin. Right? 4,000 years of wars and attacks. Scott? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. So, so the comment is about Esau's role in this. And let's not forget that. Esau messed up. I despise my birthright. And he did something rash and stupid. I'm going to sell my birthright for a bowl of stew. And I've often wondered, is this an exaggeration? Is it? But it's not. He just did something stupid. And why does he despise being the oldest? Why does he despise being the one to inherit? Why does he despise being the family name? It was stupid on his part. It was sinful. So we talked last week. Did Esau's rash decision, did his emotional decision, was it a good decision? No. It led to sin. It was a problem, and it had consequences. And we talked about that. If we make decisions purely out of emotion, we're in danger of leading to sin. There are going to be consequences. So let's look at that. Esau, Jacob, Rebekah, they all play a role in this. Mm-hmm. But let's so Rebecca's. That's a good. Okay, it's a good question. Rebecca knew the and somebody else. I, Tracy, I think mentioned it. Rebecca knew the prophecy, right? That the older would serve the younger. But let's make it clear that is not normal. That is abnormal. So Rebecca's not doing this to fulfill God's prophecy, right? This is still sin on Rebecca's part. She lies. She deceives. But she knew that it was not going to be normal. She knew that. She knew there was going to be a flip of that. Um, but this is not Rebecca being the good Christian woman, just to put that bluntly. So I'm going to make sure that God's prophecy plays out. God was prophesying that there's going to be a problem because of the way this is not normal. The older is going to serve the younger. We may look at that. I'm the fourth boy in my family, and I, you know, I'm by far the best of the four boys, you know, no doubt. You know, we may look at that today and not think that's a big deal. That's anathema to this culture. The oldest boy is everything. So when that prophecy is made, everyone there, you know, we read through it, everyone there went, that doesn't make sense. That can't happen. Why is God telling us that? So it, it's a big deal. We sometimes don't view it that way because we don't do inheritance the same. We don't have the one family name through the one child. We don't have a great nation that's coming from one person typically. We don't have a blessing that goes to one. It was everything. If you had 100 kids, one of them is still getting two-thirds or more of the money. 
That's just the way it was. One of them is the name. Everybody else doesn't get to carry on the name even though they have the same name. It, they don't. It is that one person. So this was a really weird, and that gets back to, so then why would Esau, Scott, what's Scott, why would Esau do that? It was stupid. It was an emotional decision. It was a rash decision, and it led to thousands of years of consequences. That's why we should be aware of how our emotions lead to those types of decisions. When we get angry, very seldom does good things come from that. All right? So, Tony? Uh, that's a good question. Did Esau know the prophecy? And I don't know. I don't know that we have enough detail. I don't think it says that. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's, that's, did Esau know the prophecy, and did, was Esau kind of blowing this off? That is a good point. And so that gets back to, do you think, and this would be my question, do you think Esau knew that he was Isaac's favorite, and Jacob knew that he was Rebekah's favorite? Probably, right? So Esau may have been a little frustrated. Well, mom doesn't love me anyway, you know. But if he doesn't know the prophecy, you'd be better off at this time being dad's favorite, right? Um, because of the, you know, that is a good question. Did they know the prophecy? Did did Rebecca tell them the prophecy? You know, God told me. That's a good, you know, did God, God told me the younger is going to serve the older. So I guess as we think about it, Rebecca, Isaac, Jacob, Esau. Um, we see men and women, Abraham, Sarah, Rebecca, Isaac, Jacob, and his wives. We see them in their roles as parents. And for the most part, we don't see good things in those roles. But I want to remind us that the Bible does not sugarcoat these heroes that we see. Jacob has, you know, at this point, 40 years of life or more. And we've got six verses that mention them, seven verses. Okay. The point is, God wants to point to the story, right? And so, Jacob may very well have been a God-fearing person and did everything right in his life but this one mistake. Probably not, based off of what we're seeing. But what we're seeing is the mistakes of Isaac and Rebekah as parents, right? Favoritism. Does it lead to mistakes in the children's lives? Yes. And the lesson there is, my kids are going to magnify my mistakes if I'm not careful. My flaws. So I'll give you an example, real-world example. I love my dad. He is a tremendous Christian man. But I can tell you, I remember a time in my life where we would come home from church, and we talked about whether it was too hot or too cold in the building. We talked about the songs that we're singing, and we talked about the preacher and whether, you know, how he messed up or went too long. That's what we did. And I found myself as a teenager... And as I became a young man, that's what I started focusing on in church. My dad's flaws, right? Because my dad was sinning when he did that. Let's, make, let's, let's not sugarcoat it, right? If I leave church and I'm going to complain about the preacher, that's gossip, that's sin, period. Unless I'm going to go to the preacher and say, hey, you know, you, you preached something that wasn't correct, and we're going to have a conversation. That's different. If I'm going to be divisive about church, if I'm going to talk about people at church, if I'm going to complain about things that don't matter, that's sin. Let's just make that clear. So if that's what I do in my life, if that's what you do in your life, quit it. Because our kids, right, our kids will pick up on it. Isaac and Rebecca, favoritism. Does Jacob show favoritism to anybody? 
Does it cause any problems? Yeah. Right? We see the same mistake in Jacob's life. He magnifies the mistake, the sin. Right? And so we have to be very careful. Um, how I view church, authority, the elders, worship, how I view authority in the world, that's how my, my children are going to view it most likely. And it w- very early in my marriage, luckily I had a loving Christian wife who said, you know, you probably shouldn't say that about the preacher until you've gotten up there and preached a few times and realized how hard it is. And she was right. And, and then I realized I shouldn't say it anyway. Even if it was an easy job, I shouldn't say it. But, and so this lesson is, hey, we're teaching not just our kids, our grandkids, but young people and people that are watching us. We're teaching them our habits. And if we have those bad habits, Isaac and Rebecca, favoritism of the kids, it causes problems. Jacob, favoritism to his kids, it causes problems. Those people are going to pick up on our mistakes. So I will tell you, I make a conscious effort to try to view, particularly when I think of church, church leadership, worship, I make an effort to try to view it differently. Now, that doesn't mean we can't have conversations about improving things. Please don't, you know, you can never complain about the preacher. Tony, I'm trying to help you out here. No, I'm just kidding. That's right. I guarantee if you want to have a discussion about Tony's topic or about what he said, he would welcome that. But if you want to complain because he went 32 minutes instead of 29 Hey, don't waste anybody's time. We don't need to hear that. Okay, I'm sorry, but we don't. Now, if you want to say, hey, I think that, that we can bring more people in and we want to have a discussion, that's fine. But again, if you want to say, ah, we only need to treat, lead the traditional songs, these new church camp songs, they, I don't think we should lead those. You know what? I think we might be disappointed when we get to heaven and every song we sing doesn't come from this book right here. I mean, it's probably going to be a little disappointing to most of us, right? And they're not going to announce a number and say, go to 728B. I don't know what that is up here. 728B in the south is the Church of Christ anthem. Uh, Our God, he is alive. Yeah, it's... Anyway, so... um, We had a preacher who used to say that. I don't think we're going to sing 728B every day in heaven forever, you know. So um, if, my, if my inclination is to be a complainer, if my inclination is to be an arguer, if my inclination is to see the bad in people, if my inclination is to doubt authority, my kids are going to do it, and they're going to do it worse than me. Right? Say, so why did my child punch that police officer? Because you talked about how stupid the police were. They take it to the next level. Right? Why does my child keep losing their jobs at work? Because you complained about your job and how awful your boss was your whole career. What do you expect them to do? Have respect for a person that you never showed respect for? Right? So we just have to be really careful, particularly when it comes to the church. Um, and, and again, I'll say, particularly when it comes to those leading in the church, elders, ministers, those that get up there, um, and how we view worship. Okay? Um, there is the discussion, and I referenced it recently, about children leaving the church. And if you remember, there was a popular study that came out a couple decades ago that said 85% of the kids, when they graduate high school, are leaving the church. Anybody remember hearing those types of stats and numbers? Yeah, it's completely false. Okay, I'm going to tell you that on the front end. 
bad study, bad data. It was an estimate. There's no actual data there, and it's false. Okay. First of all, if you go and look at people, uh, children whose parents are involved in church, that number is not even close to 85% that leave. It's more like 10%. If you go to look at people that are regularly involved in church, meaning they attend at least twice a week. So what's the definition to the world of being involved in church? If you go two to three times a month, you're considered an active member of a church. Okay? So it, that was the baseline in which they used that. If you went two or three times a month, what are the chances your kids, 10 years after they get out of high school, will be active in the church? It's pretty low. But I would challenge that you weren't active in the church. You were at a country club that you went to a few times a month. You weren't a member of the body, right? Whereas if you look at those that are active, those whose parents set that expectation of we're going to be at worship, we're going to be at Bible study, it's not 100%, but if you say an average of twice a week and do at least one other outside activity a month, 95% chance that you have active children when they become adults, active members of the church. It's not 100 there are still things that we still have Satan, we still have the world. But my attitude towards church, my attitude towards service, my attitude towards worship is going to be magnified in my kids. And it's very seldom that kids who have parents that are apathetic or who are partially involved all of a sudden become great Christian spiritual leaders. It happens sometimes, but not very often. So, all right. Questions or comments? I talked too much there. I apologize. Good comments. And I think I repeated most of them for the... Good. All right. My right knee really is killing me from where I've been trying to jog. Court, it's a mistake to try to get in shape, isn't it? Yes. Take it from a doctor. I'm just kidding. That's on, that's on tape now. It's going to be on the Internet. I can see my boss will call me next week. Did you really say this? Okay, so Jacob flees to Rebecca's homeland. Okay, so she sends him to, his, to her uncle, uh, to Laban. And basically to go do two things. One is you need a wife, okay, right? And number two is you need a life. And if you stay here, you're not going to have one. It's going to be taken away by your brother. So we got to get you safe. So he flees off, and he's got this um, sort of uncle that he goes to in Laban, and he has this interesting interaction. So Jacob's going to get a wife. What do you know about that story? How does that go? How does that go? with Jacob and Laban. Does it go well? Yeah. Laban's a good, honest man. Yeah, we don't even know if Laban is God-fearing. I've always made the assumption he was because of his family background, but we don't have any evidence of that. We don't. Yeah, so Jacob, the deceiver, gets deceived by Laban. That's kind of interesting, isn't it? And you know, he probably sat and thought to himself, I can't believe he deceived me. Can you believe somebody would deceive? Oh, and at some point you're sitting there going, oh, oh, man. And you think, okay, God, I got the message, hopefully. You know, that's right. So you got Laban, who we don't even know if he's God-fearing. We don't. Deceiving Jacob. And then before Jacob leaves to go full circle, Jacob deceives Laban. So let's, oh, with the animals. and right. So let me ask this. With Laban, again, we don't know if he's God-fearing. Is it a surprise to you that he deceives Jacob? Does it shock you that someone, we don't even know if they're God-fearing or not, does something unethical? Let me tell you something that changed 
the way I view the world about a decade ago, a little longer, I was complaining about things in this country, and I was complaining about all the normal things that we love to get on our soapbox about. And my brother, my older brother, said, Stephen, why does it surprise you when the world acts like the world? Oh. He said, you should be upset when Christians act like the world. But when the world acts like the world, they're doing exactly what the world does. They're doing exactly what you should expect them to do. And so people say, can you believe this country's going to do? But yeah, I don't care what you put into that. Going to kill innocent people, going to do abortion, going to do LGBTQ. I don't, yes, they're the world. Let me tell you, people, they have no guidance. They have no morals. Without God, murder is okay. Oh, you know, basic morals. No, it doesn't. There is no basic moral code. Without God, sin is okay. And you just accept which sin you want to accept. That's why the answer is not laws and politics. The answer is always God. We're going to change the world. It's through God, right? And so don't be surprised when Laban acts like the world. Don't be surprised when the world acts like the world. They are going to act like the world. We should be upset when Christians act like the world. That should be what gets us upset. We're supposed to be different. And so when I see Jacob do this, it upsets me. I don't want to see Jacob get taken advantage of, and I'm not saying we're just, we're, we just let the world walk all over us. I'm not saying that at all. But don't get upset and when the world does what the world is going to do. That's why we have the answer for it. That's why we're supposed to be preaching something different. That's why we're supposed to be saying something different. That's why we're supposed to be giving a different example. So that the world says, why is that person acting different? Why didn't they get upset over this? Why did that person not do what I would have done in that situation? Why didn't they take advantage of me? Why didn't they steal that? Why didn't they? That, that's our opportunity to take advantage of that. But don't be surprised when the world acts like the world. They're going to. And you're not going to change it by demands and laws. You're going to change it by the gospel. That's the only way we're going to change the world, acting like the world. There is nothing that is bad in the world's view. Right now, murder may be, but in the future it may not be. Right now, at one point homosexuality was, now it's not. Right? Drugs were, now they're not. Right? Alcoholism was, now it's not. So, yes, sir. Oh, you can still find it. Right, you're right. You can still find anything you want in the world. That's right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and, and again, that shows the world is going to be the world, right? If you want to find sin, the world's going to do it. Oh, can you believe they're going to allow? Yeah, I can. When you have no moral compass and when you don't have God, anything is okay. And whether you may think lying is okay or rape and murder are okay, it doesn't matter. Sin is sin. And the world thinks there is no such thing as sin, right? There is no objective truth. Without God, the world is what the world is. Don't be shocked when the world acts like the world. Now, we should preach against it. We should stand up against it. We should be who we're supposed to be. 
But don't be shocked when Laban deceives to get what he wants. Why wouldn't he? If you're not a God-fearing person, and that's why we should be different. All right. Where are we at time-wise? Okay. So um, Jacob finally gets his wives, right? So he works for 14 years and gets a couple wives. And then the... We'll take a little side here. I don't know why why it's in there with with Leah and Rachel. How is it that Leah is described the older sister? Weak eyes. Now, people, that is not to say she doesn't have good eyesight. What is that saying? She's ugly. Yeah. I mean, I used to tell my sister, listen, Leah. Her name's not Leah, but I would say, listen, Leah. She's like, you say that again, I'm going to smack you. I don't know why that's in there. I don't know why that's included. I don't know what the relevance is, but it's there. Uh, although it may be that Jacob was looking for the wrong thing in a wife. I don't know. You know, Maybe had God had different plans um, because we do see now that he starts to have kids that both wives are important, as are their handmaids uh, in the number of kids. And so we see Jacob get married, and we start to see finally... A hundred years after the original promise, we're starting to see this numerous offspring. Abraham, you're going to be the father of a great nation. Here's one kid. Isaac, you're going to be the father of a great nation. Here's two, but only one of them is going to be the blessing. How in the world am I going to be a father of the great Well, Jacob takes the Lord's commands in Genesis of be fruitful and multiply, and he really, he really does that. Twelve kids, right? Well, 13, 12 sons. Okay. So 12 kids, he, he really takes that. We start to see those numbers. We start to see those offspring. And again, it just reminds us, God's faithful to what, he's faithful to what he told Abraham he's going to do. He's faithful to what he promised Isaac he's going to do. He's going to give Jacob that same promise. You're going to be the father of a great nation. They're coming. The numbers are coming. The offspring are coming. Uh, and so we never have to doubt uh, God's faithfulness. All right, do you know Jacob's children? I'm not saying you have to yell them out. It's one of those we learned as a song as a child. So, who can give me the oldest? That's the easy one. Right, yeah. Can you name them by parent? No, that's probably a little hard. Name them by parent. Yeah. Reuben, Simeon, Levi, Judah. Yeah. So, um, and then who's the favorite? Joseph, right? We've even got a play about Joseph, right? Joseph in the coat of... Uh, the Technicolor Dream Code or the Code of Many Colors, right? Broadway even adopted a play about him. Joseph, yeah. So again, we have this favoritism issue. We have all these kids, and Joseph is the favorite. Who's the youngest? He's going to play into the story as well. Right, Benjamin, yeah. So Joseph is the favorite. Joseph's getting treated as the favorite. Joseph's getting reserved from having to do all the work. Joseph's back at home, and he gets what type of gift? Everybody knows it. Yeah, his coat of... Yeah, we're not sure, actually. I don't think that's exactly what that means, but it doesn't matter. Now, remember, color at this time would have mattered in clothes because dyeing it, we didn't have readily dyes, right? So it actually took some effort to get dye color. So anything that wasn't a naturally occurring color in a, in a fur, if you're going to dye it, not dye it like not eat as much, dye it like put dye on it to get a color, would have been expensive. So the implication, we think, I can't tell you this for sure the implication is this is a very expensive nice coat that would have stood out right this is a gift to his son that is different why else would it be mentioned if it weren't different from what the other kids got so jacob following after his parents footsteps has a favorite 
and is showing that favorite. You know, we all might have favorites, but when we treat, when we really demonstrate that among <laughs> Scots, like it, you have a favorite, don't you, Scott? Whoever's sitting next to you at the time. Yeah. Um, my wife and I have a favorite, but it's the cat and not the kids. So it doesn't go over well when we have the conversations with the children. Um, but we're still supposed to act a certain way as parents. So Jacob makes the same mistake his parents did, and it causes a problem. Now, we also get to, to Genesis 35, and God renames Jacob. He gives him the name Israel. This is where we get the idea of Israelites. So Jacob's new name is Israel. He's got all these kids. We've now got the start of a great nation. Um, Jacob is going to be rich. He is going to be powerful. In fact, he heads back to confront Esau. Esau opens him with welcome arms. It's been decades, right? But this is good. Esau opens him with welcome arms. He has this plan about making sure my kids are up front. Surely he wouldn't kill the kids, that sort of thing. Opens, opens him with welcome arms, and there's kind of this reunion, and oh, no, everything is great, hunky-dory, right? And then we go off to this story of Jacob and his kids and Joseph. And Joseph really becomes the center of the story. And that's where we'll, we'll spend a good bit of time next week um, talking about Joseph for several reasons. One is there's some great lessons to learn from Joseph. The other is Joseph is a true precursor, pre-type, anti-type, we might say, for Jesus. Okay, And we'll, study, we'll talk about that, how the story of Joseph points to the need of a Savior. Uh, so there's some good study there. But, but what we get to tonight is we've now got Jacob with the kids and a favorite, and there's conflict. Lo and behold, boys don't like it when the other boys are getting treated differently. And when you've got ten of them out in the field working and one of them's at home in his nice new coat kicked back, and then he comes out to, he comes out to get, deliver a message, it, it goes about like you would expect with boys. Yeah, because I, I had three older brothers, and I can remember one time we went to do hay, Mr. Smith was a, a man at our church, Tom Smith, great man, and I was, I have a brother three years older, six years older, nine years older. And so Mr. Smith, when I showed up with my older brother, said, well, Stephen's too small to do hay, he'll ride in the truck with me. That went over really well, all right? And then as we were riding in the truck, it was kind of warm, so I drank all the water. So the first water break, my brothers come off the hay wagon, and there's no water. And that went over. I mean, they would have thrown me in a pit and sold me the Egyptians if they could have. It would have been very much uh, like what happened with, with uh, Joseph. So I understand the idea of when one of them is not having to do the work. Um, I always use my good looks to get by, not my work. No, I'm just kidding. I am just kidding. So, all right, we're at a good stopping point because really the next step, we need to really spend some, some time in. Um. Yeah, we'll stop right there because I, I just don't have enough time to get into the next section. So we're going to talk next week about Joseph going out and reporting to his brothers and kind of the rebellion that occurs. So that's where we'll pick up. It's Genesis uh, 37 and following from there. So uh, any other questions or comments? Laments, interjections? Yes, sir, Tony. Jacob the deceiver didn't realize the consequence coming to him is what Tony said. Jacob the deceiver gets deceived and Leah is the deception. Hey, you want Rachel? Woo, surprise. Um, 
that's a pretty interesting honeymoon. I'm sorry, your name was what? Oh, okay, Leah. Nice to meet you. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And, and we do, as you said, we sow what we reap. Deception and sin leads to deception and sin. So it is. I don't believe in karma. I think karma is just a, a word that's thrown out there. But it is kind of neat when you see that. It's like, but then at the same time, I think I sure hope I don't get the consequences of my sin. You know, I I really do some stupid things in my life. Oh, I'm on the wrong side. Pat, you could have told me I was on the wrong side. I'm sorry. Um, but yeah, we see him sow the consequences of his sin. Yeah. Other other comments? Yes, sir. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. That's a good point. Isaac, the, the integrity they had, Isaac does not take back the blessing from Jacob and give it to Esau. He says, I can't do that. He could. There's no written law about it, but his word meant something. And, and Jacob takes Leah as his wife. Okay. You've given it. She'll be my wife, and I'll work for the next one. And he could have said, I'm out. You know, we had a deal. Either I get Rachel or I'm gone. So there is, you're right, there is something there about, okay, I'm going to follow through with what I, even though you've been dishonest, so let's, let's give Jacob credit there. Let's give Isaac credit there. Even though somebody's been dishonest to me, I'm going to follow through with what I've told them I would do. That's a good point. Yeah. All right, thank you very much for your time. Remember, the kids will not be coming back in from VBS until 8 o'clock. Um, So we can start early. You don't have to wait on them. All right. Thanks, everybody.